0: This podcast is part of the Podcast Arcade Network.
1: Welcome to episode 28 of Paranormal Dads. I'm your co-host, Pat.
2: I'm your co-host, Eddie. And I'm
1: Andy. Join us as we go in search of the world's monsters, myths, and mysteries, right here on Paranormal Dads. Fellow travelers of this planet we call Earth.
2: Oh my goodness. That's the best beginning. Traveling days.
1: through the universe. <laughs>
2: first episode of 2019.
0: Oh, it is, isn't it? It is. Yes. This is
2: our first episode of 2019.
0: We had a couple uh, rescheduled episodes where life got in the way, people yeah. got sick. Uh, it seems like holidays. the universe was conspiring against us to record another one, but we're yeah. finally making it happen.
1: And it wanted to keep us down today, and, and we we're like, no, no, this, no. Is, this will happen.
0: No, human free will has
2: triumphed over <laughs> the chaos and entropy of the of the cosmos. Because my goodness <laughs> gracious, <laughs> especially especially my kids throwing throwing uh, curveballs at us, and there's Mama Ooh. Luta bringing in presents. Yay! <laughs> Thanks for the pizza. See, I just yelled out the entropy of the cosmos, and your amazing spouse, Pat, brought us food sustenance. To be is it, this
0: is Godfather's, isn't it? It is. I, I can tell just by looking at it. That's, I, don't, I don't know if I'm proud or embarrassed. But I'd be proud. <laughs> by, by smell and sight, I can tell. I'm just going for it. I don't, I'll,
2: Paranormal Dad's Pizza, R- pizza Hour. <laughs> We're just going to dive in. Um. So, yeah, I think, I mean, if I don't know where to put this. I'm trying to, like, this... This uh, persistent pizza power
0: that we ponder on this podcast. (laughs) I'm kind of hungry. You guys just want to break and eat real quick?
1: Okay, we'll do that.
0: All right. Come back. Stay tuned. uh,
2: uh, Well, for you, it would be no time. Right now. Or now. Or now. Or now.
0: Pizza was delicious. Thanks, Pat.
1: So two hours later. Super yummy.
0: (laughs) I love it.
2: Super thanks to uh, Luta Place and Godfather's Pizza. Yes, we and, are well-fed dads.
1: Day day old pizza is is the best kind of pizza there
2: is. The I'm flavors sure. blend. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Good stuff. So we're back. Uh, I think we're looking at the uh, recent sightings. Is the first one, isn't it? It is. Oh boy,
0: who's up to bat with this one today?
1: Uh, I believe it's Eddie.
0: It's me. You got something locked and loaded for us, buddy? I do. Here we go.
2: Okay, so recent sightings. This is kind of a expansion on our one of our other recent sightings. I, I'm trying to remember now. Was the Oumuamua a recent sightings or was it a main mystery on one of our last episodes? I
0: thought it was a recent sighting. I think you're right. I'm pretty sure. So it's an update on a recent sighting, then. A
2: recent sighting of a recent sighting. Right. Yes. <laughs> recent sighting squared. <laughs> uh, so. Recently, and I say recently, as recent as of November of 2018, so a few months ago, a couple months ago, um, four additional interstellar objects uh, to do a quick recap for anybody who may not have heard our last episode. If not, what are you doing? <laughs> Pause this one. Go back. Listen to that one. But Oumuamua uh, was named uh, because the person who observed it was based off of, uh, from an observatory in Hawaii. And so it's a it's a Hawaiian word that means messenger, so uh, kind of an interesting thing, and may be coincidental, but uh, the whole idea of amua mu- um, may there are people who feel like it may be artificially like constructed it may not be a naturally formed object mm-hmm. uh there's some debate on that online you p- feel free to look this stuff up and weigh in on that for your own but there are a contingent of scientists who believe this very well could be a artificially constructed thing that's been sent off into space its trajectory did have it come from outside of our solar system which a lot of um, uh, astrophysicists and, um not astrologists, astronomers, mm-hmm. uh, said that in and of itself is pretty impressive. We do have some interstellar objects in our solar system that do kind of leave and then come back, but this one, its trajectory had it come from a place that nobody had ever seen before. Because they track a lot of this stuff already.
0: And wasn't the you know the makeup of this thing a combination of uh, you know chemicals that that uh, we've never seen before?
2: Yeah, they were saying a lot of the, the different uh, compounds and elements on this particular thing. And once again, they're all going off of, no, nobody actually s- chopped a piece of this thing off or anything. Right. But they're going off of the way it was, it's moving, the way it's reflecting light, um, all that stuff. Uh, it's wobble, uh, how it accelerated as it was leaving Earth's mm-hmm. uh, it's past that kind of brought it closer to Earth. As it kind of rounded around and started to exit, it sped up. And it wasn't by like, it didn't speed up like punch the gas, but it definitely did increase its velocity, which a lot of, um, and its mass did not decrease, which uh, astrophysicists have said for anything like that to speed up, it would have to have lost some mass for that to happen, uh, like an an ejection of some kind, but that did not happen on this thing. So anyway, update on this: four more interstellar objects have been observed uh, between the Sun-Jupiter area. it's, it's basically the uh, the term is it's like a fisherman's net. That space between th- um, where a lot of things get caught in those two giant you know bodies' gravity. And these four objects, I have their names.
0: Eddie did his homework. They're,
2: they're very exciting. Here we go, guys. Strap in. So, Oumuamua was a cool-sounding one. Here are the other names of the four objects: <clears throat> 2011 SP25, <laughs> 2017 RR2, 2017 RR2 SV13, like right? Like we had, we almost had a Star <laughs> Wars-sounding thing. And 2018 TL6. Oh,
0: huh. Stokes the fires days. of the
2: imagination. <laughs>
0: Sexy words there. It doesn't doesn't roll off. You know what it kind of sounds like is uh, Mercedes uh, vehicles. Exactly. (laughs) MKX or, you know.
2: Like, Pat, I drive a 2018 TL6 Mazda. (laughs) Andy drives a
0: 2017 SV13 Pontiac. I want to get a bumper sticker on the back of my vehicle that says my other other car is the mothership.
2: Yes.
1: You know, speaking of things that are out there flying around in space... I don't know if you guys ever follow on Twitter a guy by the name of Frankie McDonald. No, he's he's this Canadian. I say kid, but he's he's probably in his twenties, and he's almost kind of um, like this this expert on the weather. It's like he he he, he's made a lot of weather predictions that have apparently come true. Yeah, I think so. Is
0: it like long term weather patterns or? Um,
1: Yeah, well, he'll like make predictions of like storms that are coming I, I think he studies the maps and things and he's just really okay. good at it and so you know he'll make these predictions and like if frankie's talking about it you better listen up if he gets real excited because he, yeah he'll talk about you know w- weather's coming to nebraska blizzard's coming get your pizza get your pepsi get you you know <laughs> get your all chinese, chinese food a- <laughs> yeah so so um one of his predictions uh in a recent tweet, he was talking about an asteroid is supposed to be coming near the Earth February 1st, 2019.
0: Yep, I've heard that. So it's like, what? if
1: Frankie's talking about an asteroid coming to Earth, it's like, okay, I'm going to be watching the skies.
2: I'm definitely going to buy my Not Pepsi that it's going to pizza. do
1: us a whole lot of good watching the skies if, if one actually did hit, you know. Yeah. Oh, Depending on how it, big it would be, but Frankie's actually coming out with a book soon, so a little plug there for Frankie. But Frankie, he,
0: is it going to be one of these that are um, like visible with the naked eye at so bright kind of deals? Or I would
1: imagine so. You yeah. know, if 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 it's if it's actually coming. So well, I
0: hope they give that one a better name than than these four <laughs> objects, Eddie. Actually, I think he he posted Guys, the name look out, or, here, comes and it was something z it's, it's
1: it's asteroid two zero zero two. Nt seven. Ooh, come on, people. Why don't they name them like hurricanes?
0: Yeah, you know right? that's Bob. That's Bob the asteroid. Here comes Timmy. Yeah, the asteroid.
2: <laughs> asteroid
0: Andy. There's Astrid the asteroid. <laughs> Andy is an asteroid. So, <laughs> so not
1: not to digress, but I no, just, you're you fine. know That I, I thought we throw that little extra recent sighting in there. That gets right. That's amazing. We should keep our eyes out for this thing.
2: I mean, (laughs) certainly keep uh, keep an eye out on our Facebook page. It'd be kind of fun to share some of that stuff. For sure. Um, so yeah, so these four objects are locked in the sun, Jupiter, like gravitational pull. And, um, the scientists who have observed these four objects, they've said without a doubt, their trajectory has brought them in from out of our solar system. So they're not part of the neighborhood. And, now, the cool part about these things is uh, all the observations on these four have, have yielded that they are completely natural objects. They are either an asteroid or a comet. They haven't quite figured that part out yet. But their behavior, their reflectivity, just the way that they are moving, essentially, the way they're orbiting, uh, is very typical of what they would call you know a natural occurring object, which, once again, underlined how strange oumuamua was and it kind of takes in my opinion and this is where like yeah you read an article and it, you kind of start that whole confirmation bias where you're like aha aha i knew it <laughs> but uh even in the article it said it kind of gives a little bit more teeth to the statement that oumuamua behaved like an artificially created object and now you have four other objects that that are meeting some of the criteria that oumuamua did in the sense that they all came from outside of our solar system. But beyond that, they're all behaving very typically, and Oumuamua is even more of an anomaly Um, now with these these four objects. Once again, the reflectivity of Oumuamua is unlike anything they've seen. It's way too shiny. That's one of the quotes. Its dimensions were weird, too. Its dimensions are weird, super thin. it was,
0: what, like a football field long, you know, a... How many feet across a couple dozen a dozen yards across, but it was like as thin as a razor blade. Yeah. I think it was like
2: a thousand yards. I think it was, oh, like was it? a couple of fields. So a couple foo- foot long. And then and then it was like as thin as like a Pop Tart, yeah. you know? Like Or, and there was some debate on the the thickness of this thing, but either way, it was not super thick. Uh, Super weird shape.
0: That's not the typical shape for a comet or an asteroid. Yeah, They look like potatoes, usually. Right, and the
2: composition was something that our scientists have not seen up to now. So just once more, kind of an update to an old recent sighting, but knowing now that there's four more objects that are similar but not... Enough so that it makes Oumuamua stand out even more, more so.
0: One of these things is not like the other.
2: Exactly. And it's watching you and sending back all the information to the alien overlords. (laughs) Sleep tight, everybody.
0: (laughs) It's time for Pop,
2: Culture, and the Paranormal.
0: Here we go. Pop culture and the paranormal. It was my turn to, to dig something up for us. And uh, when you think pop culture game shows, probably the number one game show that would come to mind over the over the course of decades. Twenty thousand dollar pyramid. <laughs> good, good try. <laughs> Incorrect. Jeopardy. Uh, oh yeah. Jeopardy. It's it's uh, you know quite possibly the one of the mo- more popular game shows in history. I mean everything from. Probably. You know, people do Jeopardy! games in school to, to help with studying. and um, We all know the theme music. Everybody knows the theme music. I think Alex it's Tre- even
1: appeared on this show before. I think it
0: has. Alex Trebek has been doing that show for like 84 years. Dude's been on there forever. He doesn't age either, by the he way. He doesn't He really. has that whole Dick Clark thing going on. <laughs>
2: where you're like, Is he alive? <laughs> yeah, well,
0: he's still. Do His mustache is not alive. His <laughs> he, brought, is he brought it back this season for the first time in a long time, and it only lasted a couple episodes. Oh, like really? It had its own Twitter following and everything. It was Alex ridiculous. Alex Rebeck's mustache <laughs> that <And then> it, <laughs> is the best. And then it came off. But oh, I've man. been an avid Jeopardy! watcher for years, mm-hmm. and uh, even uh, did an online tryout for the show uh, oh, a year or two ago. But yeah. gosh, they make those... Qualifying questions so hard. Sure they I think to, to weed out just the average people. Yeah, like so, some
1: of the people on that show, you can tell they're just so intelligent. Just, just my crazy. The
0: type of people, like everything they've ever learned is just permanently yeah, locked in their brain. Stamped in the brain. Yeah. It's
2: my favorite Weird Al song, too. I lost on oh, Jeopardy. I lost but. on Jeopardy. <laughs> 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 Baby.
1: Taken after the Greg Kin song, exactly. Our Loves in Jeopardy.
2: Yes. Anyway, well, sorry. No,
0: it's fine. <laughs> like, right around mid-December, I was watching uh, Jeopardy, and uh, it was actually on December 14th, so it was sometime that week that mm-hmm. this episode appeared. But they had a whole category uh, dedicated to cryptids and kind of mythological creatures nice. and, and the... The title of the category was called Mythological uh, Taxonomy. And so as the clues were popping up on the screen, I was just kind of taking on the TV. I was taking screenshots on my phone, figuring that we could use it for this segment. So without further ado... Uh, you, Eddie, and, and Pat, uh, good sir, oh, uh, you'll be contestants. So I don't know how you're supposed to ring in. Uh, I guess just raise your hand. Make sure to form your your uh, answer in the form of a question. Oh, yes. yes. And um, uh, and
2: listeners, too, if you want to
0: yell out answers. Exactly. I'll, yeah. We'll pause and give you just a second to think of it. So in no particular order, I don't know which one was worth which dollar amount, so I'll just uh, make that up. For $1 billion... Ooh. The first clue, I'm going to totally totally butcher this name, uh, Nesoteris rhombopteryx, uh, has been suggested as a scientific name for this Scottish creature. Pat.
1: Who is Nessie, the Loch Ness Monster?
0: That is correct. One billion dollars <laughs> <Yes. laughs> to Pat. Oh my goodness. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next uh, for a high five. Uh, oh, nice. The xenomorphs in this space horror film have been called uh, internecivus raptus. Eddie. What is a, well, what is aliens? Alien is correct. Alien. Uh, yes. Nice. Well, and I think the sequel was aliens, yeah. plural, <laughs> correct? give it to me still. Yeah, it was, it was the it was the aliens in the, in that film. Yeah, I want my high five. Oh, here you go. <laughs> Sorry, I don't have a billion dollars for you, Pat. <laughs> i run a check. This next one was actually the Daily Double. So, Ooh, uh, Eddie, That's if the... you if you ring in, you can wager your high five, Pat. If you ring in, you can bet all billion dollars. So unless... if I win, I get two high fives. That's right. Oh. You can double it, and you that get two billion me. dollars. I, I
2: do. I, man,
0: I love your high fives, guys. But come on. All right, uh, here's the clue. Linnaeus released the name Microcosmus Marinus for this legendary squid-like creature. What is the Kraken? What is? You are right, sir. Oh. Yeah, two high five. Nice. <laughs> Double. Both barrels. The Kraken. The indeed. Kraken. Release good. the Kraken. <laughs> Did you, I remember thinking back to that episode where we were talking about the Kraken and you were talking about getting a tattoo. On arms. Your, on your back <laughs> and the tentacles came over and wrapped around your nipples. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just carrying my Kraken piggyback style. <laughs> my dad is so gross. <laughs> His Kraken right. tattoo. Next clue. The scientist in this 2015 sequel create the Indominus Rex and it lives up to its name. Pat,
1: what is Jurassic
0: World two? Incorrect. <laughs> no. <laughs> really? Yeah. Um, I mean, you overthought it. I think yeah. it's just Jurassic, Jurassic, Jurassic World. Was it just Jurassic World? World. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It gave me aliens. Indominus <laughs> Rex.
1: Yeah, that's right. That was the first one. Wasn't there? There was a second one though, wasn't there?
0: Yeah, the yeah. second one just came out. The There was a second one. Was there yeah, a new yeah. dinosaur in that one, though? I don't, I don't know if I, I even saw it. the second one. Yeah, I did. So I'm not. I saw it. wasn't as um, thrilled as yeah. Jurassic World, the second I one. I feel like was... there's
2: so much they can do with Jurassic Park. Yeah. They keep thinking they can keep... Jurassic Galaxy! Yeah.
0: They just tear it all down
1: and the next movie they build it up again. And Dinosaurs I
0: don't know. in space. <laughs> That's what we need. Alright, last clue in this category. See a
1: raptor in like one of the space suits with a little <laughs> exactly. bubble helmet over his head.
0: It can't get his helmet on because his arms are too short. <laughs> He's out there on the International Space Station doing a spacewalk with his exactly. short little arms. <laughs> can reach the tether. Jurassic <laughs> Mars. <laughs> All right, next clue. Gigantopithecus canadensis was suggested by some for the no- for this North American fellow. Oh, I'm sorry. No, you're first. Who? What is Bigfoot? What is? Yes, sir. You are yes! correct. Yes. <laughs> Good job, At Eddie. I love yes, Sasquatch. Gosh, talk about a tongue twister, right? Each one of those had a scientific name. I probably butchered. <laughs> Throwing out of the one. Latin
2: names on this—that's how they get you.
0: Yeah. So we had. Uh, you know, we had a Jurassic World clue, uh, Alien, uh, Loch Ness Monster, Bigfoot. But ran the gamut. About,
1: about covered it, yeah.
0: And uh, credit to Jeopardy for, you know, doing a kind of out there category, yeah, which they do every now and again. But that was fun.
2: It makes it fun when they do that kind of thing. Yeah. I My my weak spots always show on those trivia shows when they get into any sort of sports stuff. I'm oh. just like, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Superman, just a kryptonite around my neck. Ah. <laughs> it's kind
1: of funny with, with me and sports. It's like, if you take it past maybe about 1988, you know, once I get into college and beyond, I know nothing about sports. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, you know, I followed sports as a kid and and it seemed to me there were more heroes back then. I think I, I, as I got older, these guys didn't right. come across as heroes anymore. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I just kind of quit following the thing. But, uh, you know, back in the day when there was... You know Craig Morton, Roger Staubach, you know all these famous baseball players and football players, Larry Bird, you know. But uh, as you get older, it's harder to find heroes. I guess
0: I, I found the same thing, Pat. When I'm watching the the Jeopardy sports clues, I can get them. Like if they're from the 70s, 80s, yeah. 90s, but the the more recent ones, like you know. Um, who won the World Series just like five years ago. It's like, I, I don't know. I it's too much going on nowadays. But I'm so non-sporty. You said those <laughs> names. and You may as well said those meteor names <laughs> to me. You made in <laughs> 2017, RR2. I'm like, really? Go, go, go sports ball. Sports. Yay. <laughs> sports. Well, there you go. There's your, your short and sweet pop culture and, and the paranormal. So That was super fun. No, was hey, fun. let us know Thanks, how you Andy. did on our uh, Facebook page. Inside. Hopefully you won a billion dollars like Pat. Yeah. Or some high fives. From the opulence and excess of Beverly Hills to luxurious destinations around the globe, it's time to rub shoulders with the privileged and successful among us, as Paranormal Dads now offers you a look into the paranormal lifestyles of the rich and famous.
1: Well, today we'll discuss one of the most famous students of the paranormal in Hollywood, none other than the Ghostbusters' Ray Stantz, better known as Dan Aykroyd. Ackroyd grew up on the family farm in Canada and was surrounded by stories of the paranormal. His great-grandfather was a spiritualist and regularly conducted seances in their farmhouse, where Ackroyd still lives today. Ackroyd describes the house as having a mind-blowing amount of spiritual activity, and friends and relatives who have visited reported invisible hands pulling off their sheets at night. Ackroyd's ghostly experiences are not limited to his farmhouse. While living in the former home of Mama Cass in California, A Saturday Night Live star has said a large ghost inhibits the house. It's been known to turn on the Stairmaster and move jewelry across the dresser. Ackroyd's most frequent experiences come in the form of vivid dreams of lost friends such as former Saturday Night Live cast member John Belushi. While these personal experiences were part of the inspiration for the movie Ghostbusters, ghosts are not the only paranormal topic Ackroyd has first-hand experience with. He spent several years as the Hollywood ambassador to MUFON, the Mutual UFO Network, which is a civilian organization that investigates UFO sightings. One of Ackroyd's more bizarre tales is an incident that happened in New York City in which he said he was confronted by men in black as he was talking to Britney Spears on the phone. As they spoke, he says he noticed a black car pull up on a nearby street. Out of the car stepped up a mysterious pale man in a black suit who stood outside the car staring at him and another, inside the car, gave Ackroyd an unpleasant glance from the back seat. Ackroyd said he looked away for a brief moment, and when he looked back, the sedan had disappeared. To further add to the mystery, the show Ackroyd was working on that day was discussing testimony of UFO witnesses and supposed insider information. Oddly, the producers were told to stop shooting the show, and it never saw the light of day. For the Paranormal Dads, I'm Pat. And this has been Paranormal Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous.
0: And now it's time for the main mystery.
1: (laughs) Okay, so today we are talking about probably Canada's biggest UFO event that has ever taken place. It's kind of like. Canada's Roswell.
2: Hey. Get out of here, eh, <laughs> <You> loser <laughs> We're gonna do that
0: so much. People are gonna hate <laughs> our guts. I'm sorry.
1: We're, we're talking about what's been known as the Shag Harbor UFO incident.
0: Was it Shagadelic? We're it, gonna it's... shag now
2: or shag later? <laughs> sorry, I couldn't help it. <laughs> we're gonna shag now because that's how. Right now. <laughs>
1: So this occurred back, back when uh, Austin Powers was yeah, right. probably shagging. Was it in the 70s? <laughs> it was uh, October of 1967. Yeah, late 60s. Oh, gotcha. And so um, it took place in and around the small village, fishing village of Shag Harbor, located at the southern tip of Nova Scotia, Canada. And this event has come to be known as one of the best documented UFO events of the past 50 years. Oh, my goodness. And it is the equivalent of Canada's Roswell. It sounds um,
2: like it's even more impressive, though. I mean, well, I mean, for as,
1: as far as or witnesses, I kilogram. would say yes, it is. As <laughs> you we'll know, find system. out, but um, the so the tiny community has always had its stories. There's been reports of giant sea serpents and man-eating squid and ghost ships. So now add one more type of story to the list: the story of a UFO. And that brought attention to the village and has permanently stamped its name in the public eye. Wow! So um, it all started um, back when reports started coming in uh, to the local police of lights uh, being orange lights being seen in the sky that night. Um, local residents noticed strange orange lights in the sky around 11 p.m. on October fourth, nineteen sixty-seven. Most of the witnesses agreed there were four orange lights that evening. Five teenagers watched these lights flash in sequence and then suddenly dive in a 45 degree angle into the water. They didn't actually see it go into the water. It fell behind a tree line. Yeah. Um, but a number of people uh, congregated at the, the harbor shoreline and you could look out into the, the harbor and see a glowing yellow light You know, out Floating on the water. Wow! And so they were at the at the time. They weren't thinking UFO. They're thinking aircraft in the water. They're thinking people in the water. It's right. frigid water. Uh, they were calling the police, uh, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. So think. Uh, What's the Dudley Do Right? That's what I picture. <laughs> I picture the guys, you know, singing on "I'm a Lumberjack." Exactly. You know? <laughs> so <laughs> how are the so- horses going to get in the
2: water? <laughs> <laughs> give them, give them a scoop of gear.
1: So, so they're thinking, you know, people in the water. Let's get the Coast Guard out there. Yeah. Uh, the c- Canadian police um, commandeered, w- which was common at the time. They commandeered some fishing boats they woke the guys up out of bed and said come on we need your boat wake up you hoser we got to get taking your boots we got to get out there and see if we can see if we can rescue anybody right so um so one uh one of the officers uh from the police that that witnessed this uh estimated the craft to be about 60 feet long Mm -hmm. 10 feet high so it was a and dome shape so he said it was it was a big saucer so it was like big nice, ship saucer yeah. Shaped, yeah yeah um so when the authorities uh rolled out there all they could find in the water was kind of a a strange yellow foam like almost like a sea foam but they said it was not like any other foam they have ever seen before, and these guys are fishermen, right? right? So they spend a lot of time on the water. Yeah, they've seen all kinds, every kind of foam you could possibly imagine. They said this was different. Wow! So some that sort of, it,
0: some sort of chemical reacting down there in the water. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, so um, no passengers. Uh, a Coast Guard cutter went out and um, rushed to the spot of the sighting, and they said. The light itself was gone by the time they got out there. Oh, wow. Um, so they called in a uh, a group that actually the Navy was alerted, and they brought in divers who started diving, started looking for, for things, and nothing was really found.
0: Sure. Well, it's hard to see in that murky water at night. You know, I can only imagine what kind of high-powered lights they, they tried to take down there. Well, you'd probably um, have to bring along a pretty impressive... Array of glow sticks, <laughs> Underwater rave. <laughs> Canadian rave. Canadian UFO rave. How's that for a band name? <laughs> Let's dance, hoser. You all could see Eddie's face. <laughs> He's lost his mind. Sorry. So
1: for. the search was called off around 3 a.m. Nothing was found. There were no reports of missing aircraft reported that evening. Either civilian or military aircraft. The following day, the rescue coordination center filed a report with Canadian Forces headquarters in Ottawa, and reported. The report stated that something had hit the water in Shag Harbour, but the object was of quote unquote unknown origin. Hmm. So you've got you know a federal agency not saying that it was a plane or anything, but they did not know what it was. So I guess you could classify it as a UFO, right? By very definition. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so like I said, they called in the Navy and the HMCS Granby was ordered to the location where divers searched the bottom of the ocean for several days. And it's reported that the divers discovered what has only been described as a dark object. And the weird thing about it is it wasn't found in Shag Harbor. It was found up the shoreline, like about 25 miles. So they believe whatever went into the water at Shag Harbor actually continued on its way and and moved up the shoreline. And that's where they discovered it.
0: What? Um, So it can fly through space and move underwater.
1: Yeah, apparently. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, So soon the story of the mysterious crash at Shag Harbor died as quickly as it began. That was until 1993. As the original story faded from papers and newscasts, several theories were put forward. One explanation was that a Russian spacecraft had crashed, which would explain the presence of a Russian Russian submarine that was also in the area about this time. Uh, there was also a rumor of American involvement in the follow-up investigation, but there was no official statement from the United States on the on this subject. Um, about 36 hours after the initial sightings, several Defense Department officials signed off on a memo that made it clear to authorities that authorities had no idea what they were dealing with. And it says, quote, unquote, a preliminary investigation has been carried out by the Rescue Coordination Center in Halifax. It has been determined that the UFO sighting was not caused by a flare, float, aircraft, or any known object. So that's kind of weird, having the government come out and say (laughs) <laughs> something like that. Because
0: that probably wouldn't happen with our government. Yeah, they, no. They, they, they'd come no. up with some sort of explanation if it was swamp gas reflecting off a flock of geese or something. That silly. completely
2: insults our intelligence. You it know? does,
0: but it's common. In, yeah. And in other countries, they don't have that. Like, right. they'll just say, we don't know what this was. Right. You know.
1: So, within a year after the investigations by Canada and the U.S., um, the United States' Condon Committee. Uh, the incident was dismissed, with investigators stating no further action was justifiable. Right. So they just kind of said, "Eh, we're going to drop this one." I love That's it. it. <laughs> I love
2: it. I mean, it's just so par for the course with this with our group. <laughs> with our oh man, did you say there was a there was reports of them seeing like actual like human or people air quotes leaving.
1: Well, yeah, they they discovered that the divers of the Granby, along with other witnesses, um, they relayed these events. The objects that dove into the waters of the harbor soon left the Shag area, traveled 25 miles to a place called Government Point, which was near a submarine detection base. And the object was spotted on sonar there, and naval vessels were positioned over it. So after a couple of days, the military was planning a salvage operation when a second ufo joined the first so it just like suddenly appeared underwater and it was almost like the common belief at the time that the second craft had arrived to render aid to the first divers even reported (laughs) quote-unquote creatures moving back and forth between the two objects So it
0: was like a ufo tow truck yeah Showed up to help. Yeah, roadside assistance. <laughs> Gleep floor p- towing and auto repair. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Nothing to see here though, says the US government. Looks fine to me. Swamp gas, eh, you hosers. <laughs> I can't uh. and I, uh, what at whatever. this point in I'm history
1: <laughs> you've got um uh, the the Navy decided to wait and watch, and so after about a week of monitoring the two UFOs, um they were called to investigate a Russian submarine which had entered Canadian waters. Those dang Ruskies. Yeah, they're always into Stirring something. The pot,
2: man. <laughs> so so I, like the place that if you're in a bar fight, if you're getting beaten up in a bar, and then they, they'll like jump in and start beating you up just because. Like that's what I feel like <laughs> Russia has become. <laughs> like, like there's a ruckus going. Let's make it worse.
1: <laughs> so so you got you've got a couple of Navy ships, and they got to break off, go deal with yeah. this Russian ship. So, when they did that, they said the two the two UFOs underwater made their move. So, they took took off, um, headed towards the Gulf of Maine, putting distance between themselves and the chasing Navy boats. Then, they broke the surface and shot away into the skies. Which
0: is... That's crazy. Yeah. Andy and I just looked at each other like... <laughs> like, <did> quiet <laughs> what? like oh, what? Like, what kind of technology and, and would it take for them to... You know, be able to move underwater and then break the surface and then just immediately start flying. So it can
1: fly through space. Right. It crashes into water. Right. They're, able to, they're sure. able to repair it, apparently. Yeah. And then take, take off, off again. again. Yeah. You know, I mean, I if got... something like that is true, do you imagine what? So must eyewitnesses be
2: reported seeing two additional craft.
1: Yeah, on on the eleventh of November, uh, the reports there were reports of people witnessing two sets of lights in the sky, uh, in the Gulf of Maine area. That you know, that they they thought to report they weren't they didn't think they were right. airplanes. They thought it was something else.
0: I've always thought if there were um, you know UFOs like permanently just hanging out on our planet. Uh, you know, doing research or whatever, waiting to, to fly, you know, back home to their galaxy, a safe spot to put it would be the bottom of the ocean. Yeah, you can't, we can't see it. We don't know what's down there. We literally know more about the surface of the moon than our own oceans. So if they have, you know, aquatic capabilities, yeah, they could could have UFOs parked in, you know, in Lake Superior and the Atlantic Ocean and the Amazon River, we wouldn't know.
2: I've read that water water pressure under the ocean would be actually be more intense than anything in space. Really? Yeah, well, That's, space is a I vacuum, too. so there's no pressure to speak sure. of. Once you get out of the atmosphere, which obviously has some, I mean, not some, but has quite a bit of pressure to it when you're, you know, heat and all that stuff. But I've read pound for pound, going to, like, the near bottom of the ocean would be insane. Like, yeah. like yeah. for something to be able to sustain that would be obviously... Advanced, way advanced technology to be able be. To, 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 to withstand it, But I agree. So many, we go back to the ocean so much. We should be like, we should do a spin off <laughs> the aquatic paranormal. <laughs> we should do like an, an aqua aqua month or something because there's more reports of more weird things under the ocean um, in all of my weird research I've been doing. But the notion of there being uh, spacecraft hidden under the ocean, what a smart place to put it, you know? Yeah.
0: Well, if anyone's going to find it, it's going to be James Cameron making one of, one of <laughs> his uh, <laughs> Avatar Titanic movies, you know, because sure. that dude's always under, you know, he, I think he took a vessel down to the Marianas Trench, you know, the deepest mm-hmm. spot of the ocean. And, I mean, you're talking, you're right, Eddie, pound for pound oh. pressure, that's just insane. But, you know, um, you know, again, spacecraft would, that, that'd that be nothing. They could, they could withstand that kind of pressure.
1: And you got to think about the time that this was happening, too. It's 1967. It's the space race is on Mm -hmm. it's, it's the, you know, cold, cold war is well underway. Uh, A Russian submarine was known to be uh, frequently off the East coast. And um, the Americans were testing all manner of devices to spy on their, the Russians and, and including spy satellites that ejected film canisters at high altitudes. And one light housekeeper, claimed he found a burned metal cylinder at this time, uh, which he claims to have handed over to an American military officer. Oh, boy. Um, There was also another lighthouse keeper that claimed that a group of British commandos landed on the island where his lighthouse was situated uh, 30 minutes after the crash at Shag Harbor, and they stayed there for three days just hanging out on his island, uh, and then they left by helicopter as mysteriously as they came three days later. Wow. So
2: so much activity out yeah. there.
1: So, you know, it, you wouldn't think a, a supposed plane crash would bring that much British commandos and, and the American Navy. And I don't know, maybe it would, but
2: aliens bringing humans together.
1: But, you know, planes were a plane was never reported missing at the time. So, you know, they know it wasn't a plane that went in that night.
2: That'd be fun to kind of follow up on Shag Harbor like nowadays and see if there's anything at all happening or whatever. Yeah.
1: Well, the, the the cool thing about that, Shag Harbor has a museum commemorating the incident. Uh, there's also a conference held each year where ufologists discuss the events of Shag Harbor. And um, it's called ShagCon. Shag ShagCon <laughs> 2019. <laughs> and and recently they just celebrated the 50th anniversary. And, oh yeah. And they had the the, the grandchildren of Jacques Cousteau. Oh. Came and spoke at the conference. Apparently they did their own little investigation of Shag Harbor with you know all their scuba equipment and things. Uh, and we prior to the, to the event and. And so they came in and said, you know what, whatever it was, they may have seen. We down, see crabs, down there.
2: we see
0: fish, <laughs> we see rocks. Acton. <laughs> hey, <laughs> Pat! I just noticed. No, Elion. Pat's wearing a Navy SEALs t-shirt just just in honor <laughs> of this main mystery <laughs> he, today. He I indeed. did that.
1: There was a little foresight, you know. I guess when I got dressed this morning, I thought. I've got a Navy SEAL t shirt and 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 just let it be clear, I don't claim to be a Navy SEAL. I never have claimed to be a Navy SEAL. Because no, <laughs> apparently there's a thing. Yeah, okay. No, like, like, guy, guys will walk around stolen and stolen valor the, kind the, of thing, yeah, yeah, they'll they'll like brag about, yeah, I used to be a Navy SEAL. And Navy SEALs do not like that at all, as you right. can well imagine. But no, this is one of those my wife went to Coronado Beach for work one time, and all I got was this lousy T-shirt sort of a thing. But <laughs> yeah. but I've never claimed to be a Navy SEAL. I just want to put that out to my friends. Thank them for their service. That's more Please of a don't support shirt. That's what that is. That's
2: like <laughs> That's right. a rallying yes. cry shirt. Like, go. Yes.
1: Go. Go find the aliens underwater for us. Exactly.
2: So. Um, I'll also like your button. With the yeah.
1: Uh, I ha- I'm also sporting That's a, say, a button. To... It, it's a picture of a, a gray... Gray head, I guess you'd call him. You know, a little alien head, and it says "Not here to make friends." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this was a gift from my daughter for uh, Christmas. That's just so kind of a little, little that is so gift funny. She gave me.
2: I love it. So, what a great story, man! Like I said, uh, it's it, it's it's fun to hear about other countries' experiences with uh, our kind of our version of Roswell. But it's just neat to hear that. So, like I said, I think <laughs> kilogram for kilogram. Since it's in Canada, <laughs> yeah. not pound for pound, but. exactly. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it, it almost has more more like meat almost to it. Although no autopsies in this one, yeah.
1: no autopsies, um, no weather balloons, but a whole bunch of witnesses. You know, right. a lot of people said they saw something that night, and they they come back to these these uh, conferences that they hold every year and tell their stories, and uh, you can go on to YouTube and. Uh, guy by the name of Chris Stiles, who's really conducted a lot of the investigation into this incident. Um, He's got a talk at one of the conferences posted on YouTube, so it's kind of interesting to hear his story and and some of the stuff that he's uncovered.
0: There you go awesome yeah I wish we could make it up there to attend that oh
1: man it's another thing to put on the paranormal dad's bucket list you know that'd be a great road trip go up check out the museum and and yeah maybe if we timed it right even go to the conference that'd be so cool (gasps) Well,
0: so. it's kind of interesting how Put everything on the list. <laughs> everything gets compared to Roswell. So that's the Canadian Roswell, yeah. and there's another uh, really famous case that took place in uh, England and uh, Rendlesham Forest. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's like the English Roswell. Right. Exactly. You know? That's so,
1: another very interesting story. Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, you, you talk about the most famous ones ever. You probably have Roswell, Shag Harbor's got to be up there, yeah. and then you got Rendlesham Forest. Mm-hmm. But you wow. know, there's Holy Trinity of yeah, yeah. Oh, thanks, thanks for joining us on this very uh, shagadelic version of Paranormal Dads. So, uh, as always, we uh, you know like to give the guys at uh, Freesound.org a shout out for the sound effects and music from today, and hit us up on all our social media accounts: Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Instagram, Instagram. the Tube Face, all that kind of stuff. <laughs>
1: www.paranormaldads.com We are, uh, also, you can email us at paranormaldads at gmail.com.
0: You know what we really like is how many people come out of the woodworks to give us uh, suggestions for future main mysteries, you know, from our kids, our friends, you know, a lot lot of people say, hey, you should do witches, you should do this as a main mystery, and we'll we'll eventually work our way through them, but that's the cool thing about this show, you have literally a never-ending buffet of possible subjects to talk about, so we'll keep cranking them out for you guys and... Thanks for our uh, loyal, loyal uh, cult following yeah. here, and uh... Uh, also uh, any
2: review that you would feel like uh, so obliged to give us on iTunes or Podbean, or I believe we're also on Spotify now. Yes, um, please give us a review. It exposes us to all sorts of fun uh, opportunities down the line, and we'd like to see if we can't grow this just a little bit, just for fun. Uh, do some fun things that we've talked about. And also, we do have Paranormal Dads t-shirts, which Andy is proudly sporting as we speak, <laughs> as we record. It's all I wear. <laughs> it's Every all I day. wear. Yeah, Every- you'd think I have one t-shirt in the closet. <laughs> um, they're really fun. It's kind of like a, camp, a camp-looking a camp t-shirt. Bigfoot's uh,
1: hiking in the silhouetted against the mountains. Yes. And- it's very cool.
2: It's a fun shirt. So uh, you, too, can be the proud owner of a Paranormal Dads uh, t-shirt. Uh, message us uh, via Facebook for sizing and pricing
0: details. All right.
1: Okay, that I'll wrap this one up. So thank you all for listening, and have a happy new year. Boys, we'll see you next time.
0: Sounds good. Take care.
1: You microphone. have to hit record. Microphone.
0: No. Oh,
2: you're not recording?
1: Okay, now we're recording. All that comedy gold. Oh, I know. I, I came up with the sweet of
2: term of microphone. <laughs> it's a microphone that's a bike. <laughs> Ride and record at the same time.
1: If you stop pedaling, you stop recording.
2: Exactly. Hey, but wait a minute. So, I don't know. I tried to overthink that one. Okay. <laughs> the How would you? The microphone. The microphone. Um, we have yeah. a
1: microphone that goes underwater, and they have a weird name for it, too. like the... I,
2: Hydrophone? Hydrophone? Yeah, I heard that, of those. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I heard. Like, they hear, like, uh, porcupine.
1: Porcupines <laughs> underwater.
2: <laughs> those <laughs> aquatic little, porcupines The little you. known <laughs> subaquatic porcupine. <laughs> it's the newest cryptid. Um, it's a porcupine with a snorkel. <laughs> uh, porpoises. That's how they hear, like, like, the clicks and whistles of... right. <laughs> that's pretty good pat <laughs> that's part porpoise please stay tuned for pat's pat my porpoise in life in the album that's funny <laughs> my porpoise
0: in life his new age album where pat sings whale songs i've always wanted to write a children's book Dory. called even a porpoise has a purpose <laughs> you know about how each, each animal is special and unique and oh. serves a serves a purpose in the world you, you could feature a porpoise named paul
1: copyright 2019 by andy myers that's right
0: Paul the porpoise. Pat's on the cover with two thumbs up.
2: (laughs) It's Patrick the uh, porpoise pondering his position on the planet. (laughs) Well played.
1: We're going to make this happen. Okay, let's do this. All right, let's do it.
0: Okay,
1: here we go.